Hey there, I'm Breezy. Welcome to Breezy Lifestyle. This series called From Struggle to Success is as real as it is helpful. Every episode I share with you a real life story of mine with one, if not a whole lot of struggles. I then show you the error of my ways and how I can do better moving forward as well as how I could have done better then too. Through real examples of my struggling to success, I show how neuroscience and implementing lifestyle success tools can absolutely help us and with ease. We discover the power within ourselves and how to shape the world around us as we need it for a lifetime. Through the foundation of science and my real life, I show how you can turn any struggle into an absolute success without totally having to change who you are. It's all about making better choices every day to feel better as to live better for a lifetime. I took back control of my life and so can you. Welcome to From Struggle to Success. Ever look around at life and wonder, how did I get here exactly? What shaped this reality that I live in minute by minute? Why the F do New Year's resolutions and stuff like that typically do not work? Have you ever wondered what makes you who you are? I really wanted to know why we pick the same type of person to date over and over again, even if they are not good for us. And have you ever wondered why we continue to eat junk food when all we want is a healthier body and lifestyle overall? Why can't we stop ourselves from doing certain things like picking up our phone to unconsciously scroll on social media or even the better things in life like automatically brushing our teeth in the morning? Why the F do we do what we do? We are our habits. I know. It doesn't sound all that glamorous. But what makes us who we are are the mechanisms inside of us. Our chemicals, neural pathways, hormones, etc. Get this, we have major control over these mechanisms, even if they become unconscious behaviors. A great example of habits being who we are is me at age 33, which is me right now. I am who I am because of what I chose to do, notably all through my 20s. In regards to my childhood, a lot of my behaviors and habits are now maladaptive as an adult. And if anything, I look ridiculous and like a wreck when I try to act in ways that served me as a child living in trauma, now as an adult in reality, that I very much can control beyond immediate behaviors that children more so have to lean on. Honestly, I'm at the point in my life where I am finishing cleaning up a lot of messes, a lot of useless habits, emotional messes, physical messes, gut health messes, arrested development messes, and cognitive behavioral messes. Our choices can make or break who we become. Our choices form habits. I have made many choices and formed many habits that did not serve me in the short term as well as the long term. It is amazing how distracted I can become when I want to feel good instantly because of shitty things going on in the here and now. What's more amazing is that usually shitty things would be going on in life 
because of previous lower level choices that I made. My lower level mind wants pleasure and fun basically all the time. I would drink alcohol until falling asleep. I would wake up and smoke pot. Hello, wake and baking. I would stay up until 2 or 4 a.m., whether by choice or because of my insomnia. And of course, I loved hanging out with late night humans of various sorts. A choice that I clearly was making all the time and I did not have to. None of these choices serve the person that I truly wanted and fundamentally needed to become. My choices and habits were not even offering the type of friendships and partnerships I needed to feel safe, happy, and secure in life. Are yours? I inform you of things the way that I do in hopes to shine a bright light on the fact that we can take back control of our life, our feelings, our overall reality at any time if we choose to. Life is about choices. I will say it until the day I die. Our habits were created based on choices we made over and over again, whether we realized it or not. I do not use the word bad in this episode, and I will continue to not use that word. I'm not playing God here. In regards to what most call bad habits, I'm going to refer to them as useless. Because they obviously were not of service to whomever was engaging with them, whether it be you, me, or someone we don't even know. The habit just was not useful, right? Going back to things that are typically referred to as bad, we can at the very least refer to them as not good, right? It is obvious that that habit was not good. And it is likely that that habit was other things too. Calling something bad is subjective and mere opinion, if you ask me. What is bad for me may be fabulous for you. With an adaptive growth mindset, is anything bad? Really? With an adaptive growth mindset, we appreciate lessons learned and view challenges as opportunity for growth and better outcomes. An adaptive growth mindset is one of life's five fundamental components to living better and feeling better every day. You can super check that out on the website. When we pair an adaptive growth mindset with goal setting, another fundamental life component, we mightily strengthen the likelihood of creating a new habit via setting short and possibly long-term goals. So what the F are habits? Habits are what we do. Habits are our actions that were once chosen and now quite unconscious. We do habits in particular contexts usually, not just any time and any place because we want to. Habits come from our environment. This is why I have said it before and I will say it again. Those struggling with any type of addiction, such as low-grade addiction to your phone, which is most of us, or coffee, or severe addiction to substances, such as alcohol, need to alter our environments and remove what is triggering the behavior. We have to, or else we're just going to keep doing the same thing again and again because we have that trigger. We have to control our environment if we want to control our internal world. Very shortly, we're going to learn about triggers and what causes us to do what we do, aka cues. So what cues us to do the next thing? What happens outside of us impacts our insides. 
What happens outside of us can convince us to do certain things and behave in particular ways. Our lives are the result of our habits. How we feel about life is in large part because of our habits, because of what we do every day and night. The things we do regularly contribute to the person we are and the goals we achieve. It is an essential part of life to establish healthy and helpful habits, aka good habits. You have immense control over how life will feel by taking control of your habits and daily choices. For so many years, I thought it was impossible or for only the deeply spiritual to implement long-lasting change in life. I wanted to stop feeling depressed and like life was not worth getting out of bed for. I wanted to become the person I saw in my head. It ate me alive every day to not be going towards the vision I had of myself. A lot of issues we face are because we do not have a 100% clear life vision. And this is also one of life's five fundamental components. If you do not have a clear life vision, I walk you through those steps in a future podcast, but I urge you to get the two free courses on the website as well as exploring what your total life blueprint looks like while you're there too. The Reclaim More Than Your Sleep course is thickly dedicated to habit formation and breaking old habits. At least 30 pages of the workbook hone in on habit formation and elimination. Sleep is the total result of everyday life choices. Sleep isn't just sleep. Sleep is the result of every little and big thing we do. And so the focus is on every aspect of your life when we try to solve a problem and upgrade areas. This is why your life blueprint is fundamental and consists of five fundamental components. When we form a new habit, it means we have done something enough and it has become reflexive or automatic. This includes thought patterns. Overanalyzing and ruminating can be a habit formed in ways that do not feel good to you or serve you at all. Same goes for being in a shitty relationship. It is one reason why I stayed in an abusive relationship. My codependency became a terribly unhelpful habit to myself. I can personally say that making someone else the main priority over myself is surely a bad habit I chose to strengthen. Another bad habit of mine here, people pleasing beyond my needs. I had no effing boundaries when my depression tried to take over my life for a handful of years. I now know that creating and strongly implementing boundaries would have not only helped ease my depression, but would also have totally helped my actual life become far better feeling and way closer to my needs. When we make someone else a priority or when we continue to go after our short-term wants and desires rather than our fundamental and long-term needs, it means we do not have clarity on our life vision as well as we are choosing to overstep our own boundaries if we even have any in the first place. When I was at my lowest point in life, I said F it all to my boundaries. 
My depression and extreme lack of self-belief left me believing that I deserved very little from other humans, if not anything at all. So that is what I decided to give myself. I chose to spend time with what I call bottom-of-the-barrel humans. I gave myself very little. We have to have rock-solid boundaries and a 100% clear vision if we ever want to guarantee a better tomorrow not to mention a totally better life long-term. Never forget that dopamine is what drives us to do. Dopamine will drive you towards chosen pleasures. You will be motivated towards the things you choose are good. This is why we get clear on what is necessary in life and revise our habits so our dopamine drives us towards the good things we need rather than other things that we just want. Mismanaged dopamine and doing things over and over again can also become an addiction. Research shows that the typical amount of time for a human to form a habit is anywhere from 18 days to 254 days. This specific habit targeted was people walking after dinner, so definitely not a difficult task. So heads up. Just because you can't form one specific habit easily, it doesn't mean that you can't learn and adopt others with ease. Some things are just far more difficult, especially if it involves learning. Habits are one animal. Trying to learn something new is an entirely different animal. Usually, learning something new involves forming a new habit to engage with the necessary repetitive learning. Tiny changes in our habits and daily choices can change the entire trajectory of our life. When we make small changes, usually we are not able to see the impact of that right away. Over days and years, do we see if that choice to change has a positive or negative result. Creating or changing habits feels difficult because we are up against friction. Two types of friction internal friction of feelings or the chemicals going on, as well as external friction of actual difficulties and challenges, road bumps. You will notice that these two frictions interact with one another and we can ease the pain and displeasure we tend to feel when trying to form new habits by implementing particular tools and practices. We can use friction as an actual cue to implement a lifestyle tool or protocol. Ah yes, the power of an adaptive growth mindset. We see all things, including habit formation friction, as an opportunity to become more and feel better. There is a lot of habit research and information out there. A lot. I feel as though I have combined a majority of the best work there is in culmination with not only my own experiences, but my own successful habit forming and breaking practices. Indeed, my struggles have resulted in habit successes. It took a lot of time because my dopamine and my short-term desires wanted me to do so many other things. For internal friction, I'd like to thank neuroscientist Andrew Huberman for his limbic friction work as well as the three-phase approach honoring our internal 24-hour cycle, which is like the key to life. 
When I talk about internal friction, I am talking about the mechanism inside of us and how best to leverage what is going on internally for better outcomes out in the real world. I immensely summarize the neural processes as well as the three phases as they are rather extensive and I'm keen to cover what we can do in our day-to-day -day life after understanding our internal world just a bit. For external friction, I'd like to thank my tenacity and never-ending grit for discovering so many ways to reach goals and become a better person through dedicated habit formation the past two decades of my adult life. The research on habit formation and breaking is extensive and can get a little confusing. I cleared things up and created six healthy habit-supporting lifestyle tools. When I talk about external friction, I am talking about the challenges that we face when we move forward with behavior and action. Before we can take direct action in the real world and in our life, we need to understand and unlock the power within us. Our neural pathways and nervous system have a lot to do with how we move through life, what we choose to do, and what habits we adopt as our own. Andrew Huberman's concept of limbic friction determines how well we take on a habit due to the strain required to overcome one of two states in our body. These two states are too anxious or too tired. The limbic system is the part of the brain involved in our behavioral and emotional responses, especially when it comes to behaviors we need for survival, such as feeding, reproduction, and caring for your young, and the fight or flight response. Basically, the limbic system has a lot to do with our behaviors, aka what we do or how we respond to something. There's two types of habit strength, context-dependent and context-independent. Context-dependent means if you go from one environment to the next or one context to the next, do you tend to do the same things in the same way? For example, only in the bedroom do I stretch or only when I'm on the bed do I read. Context-independent is do you engage in the same habits regardless of where you are? For example, do you brush your teeth at night no matter if you're at your house or you're staying at a friend's house? Do you always shower after waking up even when traveling and you're across the country? Habit strength ultimately predicts how likely we are to continue carrying out a habit even when circumstances change. Our environment changes. For instance, if the weather is junky and wet before we go on a jog, will we pack away our running shoes or brave the storm? A key feature of habit strength involves shifting our habits from being context-dependent to context-independent. Context-dependence occurs when we carry out behaviors only with certain time frames and situations, whereas context-independent behavior can freely occur without constraints, and it is these behaviors that stick and form habits in the long run. We want context-independence, people. This is when we do the things we need to do without it feeling shitty or boring or lesser than some other shiny habit such as watching TV. When it takes more limbic friction to execute habits, that means it requires more energy via our autonomic nervous system. 
It's important our lifestyle serves us and our choices are aligned with our needs. This is why a clear life vision brings better things into our life. When we talk of or live with a dysregulated nervous system, we are referring to the autonomic nervous system, which causes us to think, feel, and behave in ways that are driven by unconscious patterns and which generate automatic responses. When we have a dysregulated nervous system, we are likely engaging in behaviors and choices that further unregulate us. We look around at our life and wonder, what the F's and feel like shit, usually failing to see it is our own choices and habits that did us dirty. We can take back control and clean up the accidental mess at any time by regulating our nervous system and upgrading our daily choices that form into habits. Here's an example. If stressed after work and a lot going on, there's a lot of limbic friction to get to a calm state, right? You may feel like you want fast-acting relief ASAP. Over the years, you may have taught yourself that a glass of wine or cracking a beer is a well-deserved stress buster or maybe smoking bowl. There were a few years of my life where I thought I darn near needed a glass of wine in the evening. Nope. It was just a very strongly formed useless habit that arguably was a low-grade addiction. You can learn a lot more about my alcohol choices and marijuana choices in previous podcast episodes. Unfortunately, there are underlying mechanisms excited to be activated and they do not care that the activation is toward unhelpful alcoholic substances or video games, for example. Dopamine just wants to be activated and once it sees what activates us, it will motivate us to go towards that self-chosen pleasure night after night. Day after day, we become what we choose. Overriding that friction to transcend our wants and act on our needs can feel painful and almost impossible at times, but it's not impossible. We want to leverage our natural rhythms of brain and body to make it more likely to engage or maintain our habits. This is made easy by dividing each 24-hour day-night cycle into three phases. Here is a three-phase approach to taking back internal control for habit formation. Phase one. This is within the first eight hours after waking. Your brain and body are more action and focus oriented in phase one due to elevated dopamine, adrenaline, and cortisol levels. It is easier to overcome limbic friction during this time period. This is a really good time period to implement new habits. That being said, we are also more prone to distraction and reflexive multitasking at this time, so be careful. I will show you via our external friction in a bit how to best manage this and leverage to our advantage. This is where a solid morning routine or just a solid life routine in general can really serve you. These habits should require energy and focus. Setting a window for completion rather than a precise start and stop time lends flexibility to your schedule. And we explore that in a bit when we talk about duration and location. So for example, you might elect to exercise or write or study after waking up, but before 11 a.m. So just a general time frame. Meaning it can be done at 8 a.m., 6 a.m., 10 a.m., anytime. 10 on 1 a.m. 
but definitely in the phase one time frame, right? So in the first eight hours of waking up. Of course, if you can do it at the same time each day, that's great, but setting a broader window of opportunity is just really helpful because our lives are busy and they're not predictable. We are better off not creating feelings of disappointment because we were too strict with our new habit formation. There's just no point in doing that. So when I set out to reclaim my life via my sleep schedule and behaviors, I immediately began to overhaul my entire morning routine as well as night routine, but that more so was just like an elimination of a lot of not good habits. So it started with saying F you really to the fact that I was waking up at 4 a.m. every night, morning, however you put it. And I wasn't able to fall back asleep whatsoever. I now talk about this in other episodes as well as I'm really going to start diving into why a lot of us struggle with sleep especially if we have depression, anxiety, and other stuff going on. I now know that my waking up constantly was mainly due to two things. High late-day cortisol as well as low serotonin. I now use melatonin to mildly assist with my low serotonin levels, but I absolutely do not use melatonin for sleep. And if you follow any of my sleep content, you know that melatonin is shit for that anyways. So anyways, I made the decision to say to myself, well, fine, if you want to be up at this hour, then let me show you what it is actually like and what this all means for how you will feel. And I did it. I stayed up at 4 a.m. every day for at least two weeks. And after two weeks, my body did a major reset and I began instantly falling asleep before 10 p.m., and would wake up around 6 to 7 a.m. naturally. I needed to have a lot to do in the mornings, obviously, because I was awake for many hours. I was waking up at 4 a.m. Like, what do you do? I also loathed my non-existent morning routine because of how it made me feel every day and obviously needed to create one that included both self-care as well as, for me, brain passions. I'm a brainiac. And I wanted nothing more than to study for hours every day. This was actually hard to implement at first. I was even surprised. After all, I'm seeking to do what I complained about for so many years that I would never do again after college, which was study and daily homework. Nowadays, believe it or not, I research and study for a minimum of five hours every day. Honestly, it's about eight to ten hours every day. I am obsessed. It is what I need. When I do not engage in this behavior and self-created habit, I feel lesser than as well as cognitively dim. I feel like shit. I created a habit that makes me feel awful when I do not do it every morning. And that's a strong habit formed. And I will show you how to do that in a bit. To be clear, every morning after honoring aforementioned light exposure rules. (sighs) Light rules also follow the rules and also completing my self-care routine, I then begin my morning note-taking and research. What I found was that YouTube videos were a brilliant first step into leaning in to the daily research and development that I wanted to implement as a habit in my life. Especially, obviously, when I was waking up at 4 a.m. and the sky was just pitch dark and there was no natural light for hours. Phase two is within the nine to 15 hours after waking. So this is all of the remaining waking hours. 
We want to leverage our naturally higher serotonin levels and lower adrenaline and engage in habits that don't require much limbic friction. This time of day, I am doing order fulfillment, customer service, back-end edits, listing revisions, and my movement practice. This is an excellent time for behaviors and thinking that can be completed with less focus. Engaging in things that involve creative exploration is great. Things such as free flow movement, writing fiction and rough drafts, play of any kind, experimenting such as dyeing tie-dye or cooking a new recipe. Phase one is helpful for habits where precise execution is needed, but phase two is best for creative and common things. So trying a new recipe, brainstorming, exploring a new approach to some aspect of work, a physical pursuit, relationships, or learning. I really cannot urge the powerful benefits of free flow movement and play enough. I cannot. Free expression of dance within the flow state, aka being in the zone, through hoop dance absolutely saved my life. The flow state can change your life, by the way. It can save your life. A quote from Andrew Huberman, a lot of habit formation has to do with being in the right state of mind and being able to control your body and mind. Phase three is within the 16 to 24 hours after waking. This is a crucial, fundamental, foundational, necessary period that determines your life foundation, your life well-being, everything. It's up to you how you treat this phase three, but if I were you, I'd treat it like it is on a pedestal and it is super glued there and every day you have to honor it. <laughs> this is when we reset our ability to overcome limbic friction. You guessed it. This is when we rest and sleep. We deeply covered this content in the first few podcasts, so here it is in brief. Avoid bright lights, low to no lights. Avoid mind-altering substances such as alcohol and marijuana. Sleep in a cool, dark room. Explore supplementation only if needed and definitely not ever melatonin. As well as do not look at phone screens, computer screens. Hide your screens. <laughs> Alright, we are moving on to external friction. So these are the things that we can actually do. There is a lot we can do to help us achieve our necessary habits. What is awesome about habit formation and deletion is that it directly helps us achieve our goals. It directly helps us just get everything we need. We are going to learn how to overcome external friction via the following tools. Visualization, habit pairing and stacking, duration and location, controlling the loop, dopamine, touching base, and visual progress. The first one is visualization. You might think this is woo-woo, but it is an actual tool for application within the psychology of habit, which is found in the annual review of psychology. Visualizing is fundamental, if you ask me. For anyone trying to adopt new habits, getting into procedural memory is very helpful. In order to form a new habit, we now know limbic friction must be reduced. 
so we do not get overwhelmed by the resistance that often lays waste to our good intentions. One way to do this is to tap into our procedural memory, which stores information on how to perform certain tasks. With each repetition, small cognitive and neural changes occur in our procedural memory, which strengthens our habit formation. Performing a mental visualization just one time can engage our procedural memory and increase the probability that we keep repeating the habit actions in the future. This includes thinking about the sequence of steps required to complete a task in a systematic manner. In this way, our brain fires the same neurons when we imagine completing a habit as when we are actually doing it. So you're living through doing a certain thing in your mind. You are truly living through it. You're feeling it. Every, every bit of you is involved, even though you're not actually physically doing it. Ultimately, the corresponding neurons are more likely to wire together and help us achieve establishing the habit with greater ease. First, we want to visualize and think about the very specific sequence of steps required to execute a habit. Second, we live through it time and time again in our mind. Again, doing this one time can shift the likelihood of executing too very likely. Visualization helps bring down limbic friction. If visualization is not a word that works for you, then think of this as procedural memory exercise. Our nervous system is not stupid. It knows the difference between thought and action. When we visualize, we have already introduced the habit into our body and when it is time to take action on it in the real world, it is easier to execute through the behaviors that come from our body. So what about old habits? We can visualize them away too. Literally take out a piece of paper and write or draw habits or even people, really just anything that no longer works for you. Put it on the paper in a way that is clear to you. You're then going to destroy that paper in a way that is most satisfactory to you. So you can light it on fire in a safe location. You can super tear it up. You can get it all soggy wet, flush it down the toilet. You can pick up your dog's poop with it next time you walk your dog. Whatever works best for you in regards to once it is on that paper, and then you've done the act of destruction, you have truly visualized that removal of that thing or person. Our second approach is habit pairing and stacking. I think of habit stacking and habit pairing as two sides of the same coin. Same but slightly different. How do we stack habits? So you're gonna take a current habit and then you will take a new habit and do it on after. So you can say to yourself, after I do shmeh, I will then do shmeh shmeh. So after brushing my teeth, which is something reflexive that you already do, I will stretch for 10 minutes, which is your new task. After making my bed, 
which is automatic. I will clean my room for five minutes, which is the new habit that you want to create. I like to pair my habit of listening to podcasts with a new habit, such as food prepping produce. So I will food prep for the week and I'll cut up all my produce and organize it in all of its bins and baggies while listening to a podcast. Always plan your day and take care of yourself before checking social media. The black hole that is the very creepy design social media very purposefully knows how to lock you in. Social media is designed to get you to do what it wants you to do. Stay in control. It's definitely beneficial for you to open blinds, curtains, and allow as much natural light rather than blue light in as possible every morning. This is a very healthy habit that can support so many others. Remember light exposure 101. Viewing your phone first thing in the morning is screwing up your neurochemicals, your internal 24-hour clock, and how you feel about your life every single day. Is checking your phone worth your total life well-being? I don't think so. And I own multiple businesses that certainly require me to be present online every day. It's how I make money. Every day does not equate to all day. Also, I'm going to challenge you. I'm just going to save this for upcoming podcasts. But what are you rewarding yourself with when you're scrolling on social media? I use social media as a marketing tool to make money. So I guess the reward is financial gain. But what are millions of you doing every day? What for? What is important to you? Dopamine or your well-being? Habit pairing is about increasing enjoyment while doing what we need to do. We have to make new habits attractive. Dopamine can help us do that. How to do this? Combine an action you need to do with one you want to do. For example, and a popular one that I have used, watching something enjoyable on Netflix or Hulu and doing a workout. Or in my case, a long, slow flow, restorative yoga, aka basically holding one stretch pose for like 10 minutes. If viewing a screen, please be super effing mindful of light exposure. One habit is not meant to make another new habit not good. We habit stack and habit pair because we are conditioned to do new habits as we get to do the things we already enjoy. I created the habit of stretching every morning by pairing it with my absolute need and super feel-good action of going out in the morning sun. I also stacked it by placing it before I walk my little dog. Stacking really motivates me to stretch before walking because I truly have an extremely bad hip. The habit pairing creates more enjoyment for me to stretch and the stacking ensures I do necessary steps in their needed order. Notice I am not entirely strict on when I do these morning habits. Third helpful thing is duration and location. The more strict we are with our habit formation, the more difficult it will be to form. 
Humans do not learn best by putting themselves under intense daily pressure. Life is unpredictable and things come up. It is always in our best interest to ease the stress we can put on ourselves when going towards something new. Consistent forward motion is the goal here, not strictness or perfectionism. It is best if you get in the habit of setting time durations and locations for your habit to be performed or executed. Which one sounds more manageable? I will read at 9.30 a.m. every morning for 30 minutes until 10 a.m., which is when I need to do my next thing. Or, I will read for 15 minutes every day in the bedroom. Here's another one. I will wake up at 6 a.m. and be running by 6.30 a.m. I will run for 45 minutes minimum. Or, I will run three times a week in the morning for at least 20 minutes. It's about making your habits and the goals within them actually accessible. Do not strive to be superwoman or superman or super they. Instead, strive to be a bit better and a bit more regulated every day. Your identity's backbone is within your habits. When we continually fail on our habits, we feel like a failure to ourselves. Envision habits that you can actually do every day. Be realistic about your life. Your habits are to be aligned with your life vision. If you do not have a life vision, go get those two free courses on the website and stick around for an upcoming episode on visualization vision work, and creating a clear life vision. A discovery I made as a teenager was to create simple goals that absolutely could be accomplished if I put forth very minimal effort. As long as I engaged, it was basically a win. Kind of like touching it for a few minutes helps you lean into it more every day. We are going to cover that magic in section 5, which is called touching base. But before we get there, we're going to talk about controlling the loop, a.k.a. controlling dopamine. So number four, controlling the loop. Overall lifestyle success doesn't come from one overarching action. Rather, total lifestyle success comes from tiny improvements, life tweaks, redirects, and better choices made on the daily. It's not about one thing being the answer to everything. It's about doing the better things every day to get the life we need. We get the life we need by upgrading our daily habits and revising how we set goals. Goals can be tricky. Ultimately, goals are why we do what we do every day. Goals guide us. We are achieving something to get to something else or somewhere different. Our life vision is one big mother effing goal. Got it? What are your goals in life? The more we align our habits with our goals, the greater life will be and the better it will feel. In other words, the more we align our choices with what we need in life, the better it all is. Habits can be formed on a negative or positive loop. What we do can be good or not good for us. This loop consists of three parts, a cue or a trigger or a prompt, a behavior or a reaction, and then finally a reward or outcome. The cue is whatever prompts the behavior. 
The reaction is the behavior that has become second nature. So it's your habit. And then the reward is what we get from doing the behavior. Cues can be feelings you have, sounds, what you see. Reaction or behavior is an action or an emotional response. Reward is the desired outcome. And I typically find this to be a feeling rather than a tangible reward, usually. Here's a great example. You're bored, so there's your cue. You check your phone, there's your behavior. And then your reward is likely dopamine from the doing behavior of checking your phone, as well as serotonin, because you're probably watching something enjoyable. We have to become aware of what we are doing and what habits make us who we are. Until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. There are so many things controlling us. We need to consciously take back control and get honest. We need to be clear on who we want to be and what habits we need to become. Equally, when we get clear on our needs, we realize what needs to be eliminated. This might be things such as food, video games, places such as bars, and people, including whom we may have chosen as a life partner. Please know I never say romantic or intimate partner in this context, as I do not believe you find a lifelong partnership within short-term emotional feelings and sex. Something major about taking back control and hacking this habit loop is the cue prompt. I know this sounds intense, but it's such a great example, and I told you I was going to say it again. These humans have let their dopamine and short-term desires take absolutely control of their behaviors and habits. For addicts, it is pertinent to change the environment. It is darn near impossible to create long-lasting change if surrounded by objects, people, and establishments that supported your lower-level choices and non-beneficial habits, a.k.a. bad habits. Most humans operate best with visual cues. This is why we are advertised to all day long. We are being cued to act on certain things. I really, really needed to drink more water when rounding the corner to age 30. I'm older now, and I'm drinking water hourly, by the way. <laughs> How did I accomplish queuing for more water? I put nice glass water bottles in every room and made lemons readily available to slice up. Putting lemons in my water somehow turns it into a very desirable beverage. I also created a fridge note as well as I downloaded a free water reminder app. To note, most reminders from phones and notes only work for the first week or two. So, if you want to read more, lay a book where you see all the time. If you want to sleep more, set up automatic light controls to dim and brighten at the best times for your internal 24-hour clock. Think of your environment or your home as full of useful cues and functional items rather than just full of objects or not good triggers. Furthermore, remove all cues that encourage old, bad, unbeneficial habits. If you have trouble drinking before bed every night, toss a sauce. 
always checking your phone in bed at night or when waking up, which is so detrimental to your levels inside yourself. Ooh, save your nervous system, people. So the best approach for this, take the phone out of your bedroom. And I don't want to hear about, oh, my alarm is on my phone. You can go buy an alarm at Walmart or Amazon for like $5 and they are cute as hell. All that Wi-Fi and blue light are apparently not good for your health anyways. So even if, even if you're like, oh no, I'm not addicted to my phone. Think about your health here. Your phone, your laptop, all sorts of stuff like that shouldn't be in your bedroom. Your bedroom is for sleep, rest, and relaxation, not for tech. Tech is stimulating. Support yourself by doing what you need to do. You will survive without your phone. And if anything, begin to feel better every day living life connected to your body, natural rhythms, and daily experiences. How tapped in are you to yourself? Do you feel connected or do you feel disconnected? A great first step at reestablishing that connection is by disconnecting with useless habits such as scrolling on your phone. You can also think about areas of your home as zones. I do not think I would be as successful as I am if I use my bedroom beyond sleep, clothes changing, sex, and relaxation, which includes cupping and massage. If doing the van life or living in small quarters, truly consider if that life works for your needs. Remember, needs are different than wants. Be mindful of where sunlight enters your home and at what time. I realized I needed to rearrange my entire house after a few months of living with it. Thanks to my adaptive growth mindset, I did not effing mind the effort towards upgrading my everyday life while in my home. My main work desk now faces the brightest window with ample foliage surrounding. Definitely worth the work and effort to have an incredible workspace, an incredible home altogether. If you see something that is not working, you are remiss to ignore it. Remember, leaking pipes only get worse over time. Take care now rather than repair later. Number five, touching base. It's all about being present and welcoming the new habit with intention, even if it's just a few minutes. We can reduce external friction by reducing the required duration. When we are trying to form and become a new habit, sometimes it's easiest to take ultra baby steps at first. For example, if you want to become a dancer, then you may begin by putting on your dancewear and looking at yourself in the mirror. Maybe you're moving around a little freely or prancing around. If you want to become a daily reader, read two pages a day. Instead of setting a small goal of a chapter a day, just a couple of pages makes you feel accomplished and gives you the option to read more. Other ways we touch base and reduce friction is by prepping. We can meal prep for the week, which can help us reduce time constraints in our nighttime routine. Working out at a local gym is easier if the location is very close to home or on the way to work. It is easier to stick to habits if we reduce the friction rather than try to solve problems by accepting high friction challenges and bending until breaking the desired habit. The next approach has the potential to turn you into a different person. This option allows you to lean all the way into your life vision and self-belief 
that you are becoming the very habit you are forming. Joining 30-day challenges on Instagram or at gyms throws you deep into a new reality where you must engage in your new habit every day for at least 30 days. We must be careful to not rely on location or context for this newly forming habit to be cued every time. Challenges are great launch pad foundation for new habits, but it is up to us after the designated time frame to continue with that behavior once the preliminary cue is gone. So go where your good habits exist, such as book club, gym, meetups, Facebook groups, etc. And stop going where you're useless, unbeneficial, bad habits exist. You are making life difficult by subjecting yourself to old cues. Highlight benefits of the habit to make it more appealing or find your identity in it. Saving money means financial freedom rather than sacrifice. Breaking up means experiencing a partnership that doesn't cause you to feel sad every day rather than, oh no, I'm alone. Working out means feeling physically better and having increased health rather than being exhausted all the time. The more we believe in a habit, the easier it will be to form. We will want it. And when humans want something, they fight for it. It's amazing that our desires seem to outweigh our needs. And we do not mean to behave in life this way. Alas, it is our dopamine being tricky in this modern, advanced world. A quote from James Clear. What is immediately rewarded, we repeat. What is immediately punished or does not feel good, is avoided. So number six, visual progress. By now, a lot of us are realizing we need to make multiple changes in various areas of life if we are to ever get the life we need. This is totally effing okay. And your life upgrade is supported as well as celebrated. Woohoo! Change can be scary, but when we do what we need to do, we start living a life far better than we ever could have within our old habits and lower level choices. How we best accomplish changing our habits is by making the process enjoyable along the way. After all, it's the feeling of pleasure and enjoying stuff that continues to distract us from doing what is needed and has us making choices to do things that honor our lower level mind and self. To live a higher level life, we have to make higher level choices as to have higher level habits for a lifetime. A higher level life offers a higher quality of sleep and vice versa. So a really great habit is honoring your sleep because the better you sleep, the better you live. You can reward yourself and feel successful doing the little necessary things every day. So here is how we can be connected to our progress visually. This is how we can have visual progress. We can check a box. We can add a dollar to a jar every time we engage in the habits we're trying to form. You can text your accountability buddy. 
You put a sticker on a chart, diet journal, or any sort of journaling. Journaling majorly helps me. You can download a progress bar, like watch it go over time. Habit tracker app. I have heard from so many friends that the habit tracker apps out there, life-changing. Absolutely incredible. So these aren't going to like tell you what habits to create, right? Like you are the boss applesauce of your own life. But these methods are going to keep you aligned with the habits that you have decided to form. You can also write a daily Facebook status. Be brave on that one. You can start an online group. I've done that in the past, especially with my movement practice. You can do a weekly meetup. And then you get to meet all sorts of people that are doing the exact same habit you're trying to form. And now you've created a whole lifestyle, a healthy lifestyle for yourself and others. What is at least one thing from the list that I just mentioned that you would consider doing? Or what is one thing that you do that I didn't mention? I would love if you could drop that in the comments on YouTube. Personally, I find I start ignoring app notifications, alarms, and written notes after about five days. And this is very common for humans to ignore notes and reminders after a few days because that visual cue is not stimulating as well as it does not change in any way to further get our attention. So after a few days, we see like a yellow sticky. It just doesn't mean anything to us anymore. Habits will make or break our everyday reality and how we feel about it all. I felt so shitty for so many years. Habits make us who we are. My habits for many years were mainly creating thoughts and feelings that crushed me. I felt awful every day. I wanted so much to change and it took a long time to realize that the necessary change I needed resided in myself. I needed to change how I made choices, what I welcomed into my life, and what I found pleasurable. I created countless useless and bad habits that catapulted my living reality to dark and uncomfortable places. Most of my life, I struggled with insomnia and could barely sleep because of my unending bad habits that I felt I needed to constantly engage in as to make life feel just a bit better in the short-term moments. I was forever missing the point of living a better life, and that was to make better choices. The choices I needed to make looked very different than the ones I grew familiar with making. I can't say I was comfortable making them as my nervous system was immensely dysregulated and my health was blatantly declining. But I was motivated to make them because of my jacked up dopamine and that was by choice. What are you going to choose after learning about habits and the fact that we can control what we do? For me, I am keen to challenge my short-term desires always. I am determined to achieve my total life vision and enjoy the smaller goals along the way to the bigger ones. I want a lot out of life. And to get what I want, I absolutely have to honor my needs and put them front and center in my own life. We have a lot of juicy and life-changing topics coming up. Stick around and learn about what the F is actually going on with visualizing and manifestation and how we can truly make that shit work for us in a scientific and realistically authentic way. By the way, what I'm listing off is not in order. We also deep dive into how to live better, 
by getting clear in our life vision, boundaries, and honestly, we super examine habits and in an entirely different way. We talk about being neurodivergent as well as living with a dysregulated nervous system and how we can better regulate every day. Soon, a life-changing episode on natural, holistic, and alternative SSRIs options releases. I don't think I've ever been more excited, people. There is a phenomenal interview coming up with a business owner that supports her clients through mushroom microdosing. If you want to learn more, check out the blog where you can also find recommended products and supporting links in each blog post. You can also enjoy two free lifestyle success courses as well as other options to upgrade your life on the website. All the best today, Biebs. You got this. This is Breezy signing off from Struggle to Success.